0: Shop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's Premium Martial Arts Training Equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all? Kosho offers makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other Premium Martial Arts Training Equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email kosho.schoolofkarate@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Chop Talk. This is your host, Nate England. Wherever you listen to the show, please write a review and give us a 5-star rating. Check out photos and leave a comment about this week's show on the Chop Talk Facebook page. And if you're able to successfully explain to your sensei what a pod card is, just tell him it's talk radio for the internet, please share it with your fellow dojo members. Also, Chop Talk is now on Twitter, so follow us to get updates on Japanese news, upcoming shows, training tips, and more. Ezra Scott from James McLean's Kosho School of Karate in Nashville joins us this week to discuss an interesting topic, martial arts in the digital age. Ezra and I compare notes on the positives and negatives of social media, publications, Facebook, videos, blogs, podcasts, and much more. If you want to learn more about Ezra Scott, please visit www.koshokarate.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, sorry it took me a minute to to call you back, buddy. I was I was watching out my front window. This guy walking down the middle of the street. He now at first I thought he was um like going to a car cuz there's a real nice Audi parked parked about a couple houses down and he was wearing dress shoes, khakis, uh you know, looked like a, you know, well-dressed yeah. guy. And he walked right past that Audi and just kept going right in the middle of the street. I have no idea where he was going or what he was doing, but he's too good for the sidewalk, man.
1: He was just walking in the street.
0: Yes, not exercising. Now, the runners, the power walkers, that's too much. But just walking, no exercise, just walking, we're no longer using the sidewalks. <laughs> It's now. Just, yeah, just what... over.
1: Yeah, now as a,
0: shit. As someone is a martial artist and interested in self defense, one of the first things, one of the first items of self defense we all learned from our moms was, do not play in the street. So I would yeah. encourage all martial exactly. artists out there to stay on the sidewalk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's definitely got a long way to go to get to gun defense.
0: I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with everybody. Where I live, I need. I might need to move. <laughs> All right, man. So, um, right. So before we get into the today's topic, uh, which is going to be effects of the digital, digital age on the martial arts, uh, give me an update. What have you been up to? How's your training? How's the how's the dojo? How's everything been going?
1: Oh, everything's been going pretty good, you know, wintertime in the dojo. So it's, it's cold in there, but yeah. we're getting in there and training, having a good time. Anyways, I was, uh, I went on vacation last week. I went to Portland, Oregon to visit one of my buddies that moved out there mm-hmm. and I got me a little Airbnb and it had an excellent karate basement.
0: Oh, nice. Which
1: is really cool. So I got to get to run a lot of kata down in the basement. So that was really fun. Very cool.
0: Well, I heard so Portland's a real cool. nice town. What all did you do out there?
1: Uh well, my buddy lives in a little area called Saint John, which is like a little bit northeast. It's like across the river from downtown Portland, mm-hmm. and uh, it's real cool. But I mean, it's just pretty blue collar little town. Like I guess there used to be a lot of plywood mills there. All right, and now there's most. But it was not. It was not like uh, I didn't like the fancy Portland experience this time. I okay. got more like the what it would be like if you lived in like a. Little neighborhood there and it was right. it was beautiful man cool, cool little houses and you know a lot of chinese food that right. was really cool and cool little parks and stuff nice. so it was great
0: very cool man well i've been uh i've been doing a little bit of reading recently i picked up the um the book that uh sensei keppel recommended a couple episodes back marshall musings by robert w smith uh, oh, okay. Well, has that been pretty cool? It, it's, been, it's been pretty cool. I'm only about halfway through it now, um, so I can't give you a full uh, book review, uh, but it's very interesting. So this guy started, he grew up in central Illinois um, in, the, in the 40s and 50s and got into boxing before getting into judo in, in the 40s. Um mm-hmm. and this is it's sort of a autobiography of his martial arts training um but he'll do uh, you know sections on you know important guys that he met or trained with um and it is pretty interesting. I didn't realize how big judo was in the US as early it as it big. was. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was big.
0: Uh, and then also in, in Europe, uh, you know, all the way back into the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was all very interesting. Um, and he did go off on a few people that I, I didn't think was was necessary. He he spent a, a you know a good chunk of the not the, a good chunk of the book, but he he spent a good chunk of a chapter um, talking about a couple guys who put together combatives. Um, a combative system for, I think, the Marines and the Army, um, mm-hmm. and he was really bagging on them pretty hard. But you know, it's—I I, I didn't understand why. I, I think he spent more energy on them than he needed to. Uh, yeah, and he wasn't—he's not a huge fan of karate either. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm just getting into the portion where he's starting to train in Chinese martial arts. That's why I'm halfway through the book.
1: Well, I think that, uh, you know, one thing with that that somebody said to me that just made me think of was uh, if you really love something, it was a guy I was talking to when I was in college saying about, uh, he was talking about about poetry,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but just that uh, if you really love something, you're going to hate most of it. (laughs) You know, like if you really love poetry, you're going to have a way more visceral reaction to poetry than what the average person might just read a poem and be okay with it. But if you really love it, then I know I feel that way, but I'm I'm real hard on karate too. I think you probably feel the same way a lot of times, you know, it's, you know, it's, you just see, there's so many things that people are teaching that they're calling karate, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and and they're not all, not all that great, you know? Yeah, that is that
0: is true. Um, you know, and he never really got into karate. He was doing the judo and then Chinese martial arts. Um, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, so he wasn't a a karate guy. He just didn't like it from the from the get go. Um, mm. And then an- another one that I that I picked up that I was disappointed by, and it wasn't because of the original book, but it was because of the uh, the translation of the republishing, which was "What Is Self Defense" by James Me Too's. Um, oh, okay. So that book is out of print. It's been out of print for who knows, maybe since the 50s or the 40s. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I I wanted a copy for research because um, a lot of what James Me Toose was doing with his Self Defense Club in Hawaii um, influenced uh, early Shuri really influenced Robert Trius and early Shuri And I was trying to research where a couple things came from and some of the philosophical things, and it's almost impossible to get my hands on an original copy. Um, The last one I had was um, uh, Sensei Awad. He loaned it to me, but I I can't uh, get that back from him at at this time, so I wanted a copy for myself. Um, And a guy named Mark Lawrence uh, did an updated version where he was going to add commentary. But uh, I was real disappointed because... Mark Lawrence took out about two fifths of the book, so he oh, took no. he took out all the the uh, philosophical stuff and the historical stuff um, mm-hmm. that was in there. Now he left the tech the, the techniques, so all the combinations and self defenses were in there, but all the writing was gone, and that's the part that I was wanting. You to Yeah, I wonder the book why for. do you think he did that. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why. Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people who aren't the biggest fans of James Metoo's for some of the stuff that he was involved with personally later on. Um, yeah, he was in prison. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but that being said, there's a lot of people that have been in prison, and we can still have their whole books. So, That's right. <laughs> I I don't I don't understand what that was. So I'm gonna have to try to get another copy. Um but uh just uh, yeah, I don't know, just be careful everybody. If you wanna order what is self defense, Kempo Jiu Jitsu by James Metuse, make sure you get a copy that has the whole book, not just part of it. Yeah, no
1: kidding. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, one other uh thing we got going on over here that's kind of exciting is uh we got approval to have a Jodo test in
1: Cincinnati. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah. So the uh, local. Congratulations. Kid- thank you very much. The local Kendo Federation gave their blessing. The National Kendo Federation gave their blessing. So now all I have to do is organize it. and Yeah. And that's it. So it'll for, be. For, lo-
1: for those of you who are, don't know that much about Japanese martial arts, what Nate has done is somewhat similar to getting a bill passed into law in the United States
0: <laughs> Senate. <laughs> Something like that. And I, I did it. With- bipartisan approval yeah (laughs) um and that'll be in august but we don't have any details just yet just that it'll be in august it's been approved and when i have more information i'll i'll announce it on here and various other places as well
1: that's great Well, congratulations thank you
0: all right so let's get into our main topic today uh which you brought up and i thought was a really interesting idea uh, which is the effects of the digital age on the martial arts?
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, it's a really, it's a huge topic, and it's just something that is, it's it, it's not, it's like not something that has happened. It's something that like is happening. Mm-hmm. So it's really almost the kind of thing where you could just have a podcast a month about it, and just talk about some different part. You know, it's just such a broad. You know, I mean, because you think about just all the different things you can talk about about that. Right. You know, just about the way, the way that 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 is changing and affecting martial arts for good and bad.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, because uh, it
1: is certainly not one or the other.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's see. Where should we begin on on this thing? Did, did you have any any particular in my show notes here? I, you know, I, I I jotted down some books, podcasts, uh, YouTube, blogs. Is there any particular? Mm-hmm is there any spot where you wanted to start or had any, any uh, feelings about?
1: Well, I mean, you know, to me, I guess it sort of comes back to, I think a good place to start is, is just sort of establishing really what a big deal it is and how much things have changed, Mm. you know, since the middle of the 20th century, as far as that, you know, Mm. I mean, it's like the people that we learned from, well, since McLean, for instance, When he started in 1961, they didn't even have books about it. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about the, as far in terms of transmission, I mean, these guys had to like go somewhere to somebody and learn a form and then they had to practice it enough at that location that they wouldn't forget it and that they would learn, remember it in a basic, you know, basically true to what was taught to them. Mm -hmm. And then they'd have to take it back to their home dojo and hope that they, had it right and that they weren't screwing it up because maybe they wouldn't see that person that they learned it from again for a year. And hopefully, you're not just sitting there running the kata wrong the whole time. Right. You know, whereas now, you know, in pretty short order, I could come up there and learn a bokata from you. Mm-hmm. And then we can make a video of you doing the bokata. You know, we could even make a video of you showing the application of it or mm-hmm. little reminders to me. You know, I mean, it's just a, it's just interesting you know but yet and you and you wonder qualitatively what effect does that have you know like am i better doing it than the you know because right. it is very different
2: <laughs> so it I don't, is. I
1: don't, and that's it, some of the stuff i've been thinking about
2: this is mike tarvin of tarvin plumbing company you may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on the gary sullivan show over the years i'm here today to make you aware of our company we perform plumbing repairs of all types We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges as this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. Yeah, you up,
0: uh, your teacher, James McLean, you, you, know, he, you know, he had to go to from Peoria, Illinois to Phoenix, Arizona to learn a cotta. Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't the only one. There's, there's um, you know, anytime we talk to some of these uh, guys of that generation, they'll talk about Traveling across the country, hitchhiking, hitchhiking across the country to learn a yeah. kata and then bringing it back, yeah. um, and and also you know finding anybody who knew anything. So um, I don't remember if we had it in the converse in the interview I did with Joe Walker or not, but when he was a yellow belt, he had something like thirty katas, um, and they were most of them were basic katas. Uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, if somebody came back from Japan and they were working out in an Ryu dojo, even for a month or six months, they'd learn some basic katas. And then when they got over here, everybody's trying to learn that from them. And so that happened with kind of every different style, every different group. And there's people that had, you know, maybe started training in one style, but they're just so hungry for information. They would get whatever they could. Um, and take take whatever notes that they could take. You know, jot down you know the, the kata. As the books started becoming more more prevalent, you know, we just talked about uh, what is self defense. That was put out in mm-hmm. the, I think the '40s, if not maybe maybe the early '50s. But it was very limited. They didn't have one of those at, at your local library. Um, you know, then the first version of uh, the hand is my sword by Robert Trias was in the 50s. Um, and that's not the version that a lot of people have read. The version that most people have read and have got their hands on is a, is a reprint from the 70s. The one from the 50s is different. Um, and, and, you know, And the, the books started becoming more popular, but the thing about the books compared to what we have today in the digital age is with the books, there was a barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. You had to be able to sit down, write a book, take the photos, put that all together in a package, take it to a publisher, yep. have it approved for publication, and then put out into the universe. And so I think there was all that there was a weeding out process of people who didn't didn't know what they were doing uh, or you know couldn't communicate their ideas very well. Whereas now, anybody can say anything at any time. Mm-hmm. It's true, and it's much more difficult for the average martial art enthusiast to weed through uh, all of these things um, than it was in 1970.
1: Yeah, and there's and there's pros and cons to that because on the one hand, that makes it to where say like, you know, a guy like Mister McLean he was never going to write any book about anything mm. because he just was not a really an educated guy. He was real smart, but he was not educated. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So the way that it was at that time with the gatekeepers of publishing and all this kind of stuff, a guy like him would have never put out any media. And there, I mean, there's a reason why there is no media about the man, you mm-hmm. know, and that's only part of it. Right. But, uh, he never would have done that. Whereas say if he was alive right now and in good shape and 70-something years old, we could make recordings of Mr. McClain doing a kata and disseminate that to the whole world mm-hmm. without any of his students having to be able to pass that barrier either. Right. And he's a great crowd that man. Right. So it's one of those things where it's just so, it's so fascinating. I mean, I guess that's why, one of the reasons why I like to just sort of, why I like to talk about it is that it, it there's just, you see pros and cons everywhere. You cannot formulate a good argument for or against i don't think there's there's just always something you know that like yeah that say that it's a net negative or a net positive yeah and that, there's that, so many things you just haven't thought of you know and but that's, it is that said we are fundamentally different than what yeah. we were you know 30 years ago in martial arts because of it
0: yeah and, and is there that's a good point because i was well, as i was trying to prep for the for this discussion i was really trying to come up with a with it being yeah. a net negative. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That was my goal, and and yeah. I couldn't because, um, you know, I've okay. So I am. You are not going to find me on any martial arts blogs. I am not going to go on and uh, and argue with somebody about um, Bruce Lee being able to knock out Hoist Gracie because there is no point in that. And the people who are commenting on that don't know what they're talking about anyway. But what I have used is, um, you know, uh, one thing that I really like is a lot of the old VHS tapes or early videos that were put out by people that were really qualified are now available on YouTube for
1: free. For free. For free. You can just go on there and look at as much of it as you want to. Right, and it was, and it would have cost you like thousands of dollars in the mm. 1980s to have access to all that. Right, thousands.
0: And, and I've used that, uh, especially in um, you know my Jodo training. I was talking about Jodo earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, there were some videos taken in the 70s um, of a couple of the Jodo guys doing uh, the Koryu, which is the old style, not the more modern seite or standardized, but the old style of Jodo, And, you know, I took notes on it. I learned it when I was in, living in Japan. I took notes on it. I've got a couple of videos, but it was really helpful me, for me to go back and say, oh, man, I don't remember what I wrote in this notes or I, I left this this one hand position. I didn't note it at the time. And I, I can't remember because it was seven years ago. And I could go on and watch these guys, you know, who were – the best there were in, you know, 1970 demonstrate it. And I kn- see exactly
1: I knew how to do it. it. Right. Yeah.
0: So it, that's it, been very, that things like that have been very beneficial to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think it makes it one thing that's really positive about it is even though you're giving a platform to fake, you know, people and low quality martial artists to put their crap out there in the world. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think it makes people harder to fool having the Internet to some extent, you know, at least intelligent people, because you can go on there and sort of see like, well, say one thing, for instance, if you live in sort of an isolated and very peaceful place, but you need to learn about self-defense because you're going to move to the big city or something. Okay. You can go on YouTube and see all kinds of videos of people fighting, and see what works. You know, as far as like how somebody gets knocked out, or you know, the things you know to make it makes yeah. it a little more difficult for somebody to tell you that the death touch or something like that. Right? But 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 I guess you could argue the other way with that too—that it gives a platform to illegitimate people as well. So I don't know. Well, that that wasn't what I wanted
0: to argue when you, when you brought up that. Yes, you can go on and you can watch self-defense techniques but you know I, I think these whatever's going on it's much better for somebody who already has some experience in the martial arts whether it's uh, there a there you go that's true a yep. pretty good amount like you and me
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and yeah. and you and I have you know worked out not just in our main our main style but in other types of martial arts and traveled around a yes. little bit and yes. we're we're aware of different things so I think whatever you're looking at, if you have that background, you can look at it and think about it and decide what's good or what's bad. But if you're starting from zero, if you're wanting to get into yes. the martial arts, I would say it's very difficult, if not impossible, mm-hmm. to learn this from a video. If you're starting yeah, from zero. I'm, yeah,
1: I, I want to go ahead and say that, too, just unequivocally, that yeah. I – if if you – for anybody listening to this that wants to be good at martial arts, then that's something that I would definitely clarify my position on that is you need to go to a qualified place where they're teaching strong fundamental techniques of whatever martial art it is that you want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that's the, the, when you go to, you know, go to an actual school and make sure that at that school, they're talking about fundamentals of whatever it is you're doing. And then from there, maybe you can get some, use out of the internet, but yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I don't think that anybody can just learn how to do that stuff from videos. It's, that's a very dangerous thing.
0: Yes. Um, a, a little aside on that, I did a, um, there's a, a guy who has a very popular podcast, uh, Vinny Tortorich. Um, it's it's sort of fitness related, but actually more dietary. He does a, a version of the uh, the keto diet called NSNG, no sugars, no grains. And okay. um, you know, I've listened to the I listen to the podcast semi regularly, and actually, he does. He's a fitness trainer, so um, he does phone consultations. So I did a phone consultation with him last year or two years ago, um, as I was getting more on the fitness kick uh, mm-hmm. that I've been on recently. And, you know, he brought up, you know, something about um, Bow. And he's like, oh, that tai Bo, that's the worst thing ever, you know, because people are just punching and kicking in the air. And everybody's just going to have all their elbows are going to be hurt and injured. And this is horrible. I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, he's got a good point. Because if you're training with somebody, they will teach you not to lock your arm out completely. Uh, not to yeah. sort of dry fire and hurt yourself, mm-hmm. but if you're just you know practicing, you know punching and kicking in your living room, there's nobody there to watch you to do that. So <laughs> yeah, I can see how a lot of people could get hurt doing Taibo but I can also see how somebody who had just very minimal training, like a month of training or so, knows not to lock out your elbows, knows not to lock out your knees, and can have a nice workout sure. at home.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That absolutely
0: looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition want to give your body some much needed relief and relaxation try medical resort ATAC Okinawa's specialist in sports therapy and wellness care ATAC offers customizable massage therapy try their oxygen chamber to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue and promote faster recovery from injuries take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue ATAC also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy and head therapy or try a session of ATAC's latest offering, Acupuncture Therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 12830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098-859-1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www. .a-tac.net Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's like the places where I've seen people have success with videos is uh, more on the combat sports end of it. So, like, say you like to go to karate tournaments and do, like, ippon Kumite sparring. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're already pretty good, that's for sure something that, like, you can go online and watch YouTube videos of high level, especially because you can go on there. If you know what you're doing, you can go on there and find, no, this actually is a high level, like, uh, all Japan level champion person teaching this technique. And they're relatively the same size as me or weight. Mm-hmm. Then you can you can watch that and absolutely you can go into your school the next Kumite practice and light some of the guys up with some tricks because mm-hmm. you already have those strong fundamentals, you know. Right. And I've definitely seen that with like um, wrestling and jujitsu and stuff that guys can go be- because of the fact that it's more like a sport. Mm-hmm. You can learn something from that video and then take it in and just live test it. Yeah. Right. But like it probably where more of the danger comes in is even if you're pretty good and you're watching people run kata, if you start emulating what they're doing, you may not know what that is. Right. And that's a little more dangerous, you know, because you're you're doing something and you don't really know exactly what that is, you know. And I mean, that's not necessarily bad. You may be moving your body in a cool way and learning something that way. Mm But you all, but it's a little more risky than say, like a judo throw. It's like, yeah. um, if I just want to look and see a different grip that I can throw knee drop signagi from, mm-hmm. well, I can find that on there, and that's effective. Yes, you know, because I can just go right in there, try that different grip, see can I hit the throw? If I throw you, hey, right, you know? <laughs> right. Where the th- where the more um, esoteric elements of the martial arts. That is it's it's not the same thing you, you know because you can't pressure test it in the same way
0: you know that that's a good point uh looking at the uh, getting the input from the more of the sport side because in that way it's no different than going on and watching a video about how to hit a curve ball better exactly uh, exactly uh, yeah and, and there's instant results you know mm-hmm. if you if you hit the curve ball the technique worked if you threw the guy the, this the technique worked um yep. but yeah the kata where you're doing the kata or you're working on the body dynamics, that's where it's off because you can't always look at somebody doing kata and know what's going on or the way that they're connecting their hips to their shoulder and things like oh, that. Oh, no. So that's, Especially
1: not on just some crappy YouTube video.
0: No. Um,
1: you know, because, like, you, you might even have some really, really good like – you could have a video of Shinazato, but if it's not shot properly, you won't. Even if it would be possible to teach you what he was doing with a video, yeah. the video may not be good enough. The you know you may need like a slow motion and you know all this to be able to actually see it. You know, and,
0: and even with Shinzato there's a lot of the, what he the stuff that he does um, is usually he'll have like very grossly exaggerated movement, like some big rolling of the shoulders or the hips to get the mm-hmm. basic idea when you're starting, and then that gets smaller and smaller and smaller until. He's able to do it without any extra movement at all. So if you see him throwing this punch, well, it might just look like everybody else throwing a punch, but he's able to connect um, his body in a in a different way than even other very high level uh, karate instructors, martial artists around the world. Mm-hmm. And you can't see it. That's part of the thing is make is making this this connection or this movement imperceivable. Mm-hmm. So you know try having a video of that. It's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the other thing is, like, with Kata, you know, the, you know, the JKA and the international groups, the the, the Kata is, it goes, is so far, the presentation of the Kata is so different than what you're going to find in Okinawa, where the guys are doing it as close to the way it was, as it was done a hundred years ago as you're going to find anybody, anywhere. Yeah. Be- because it's this great big performance and you're making all these extra noises and you have these extra movements coming across and all this and that. And it's like, to me, that's too much. Um, I don't like that. And I think a lot of that's very superficial.
1: Let me ask. Let me ask you this. Okay. So this is just for just playing the devil's advocate. You had told me before, and I'll just kind of paraphrase a little bit of it, and then you can correct me before I move on. But right. in the uh, Japanese weapon martial arts, you have seitei and koryu.
0: A seitei and koryu. Yes.
1: Seitei and koryu. And seitei is the thing that everybody who does that weapon in the whole of Japan and hopefully around the world all knows how to do that, and you basically do it the same way. And that allows us to all work out together where the Koryu stuff is the more style specific, older, esoteric uh, information that frequently has more real life application to it. But if you only know that, because you had told me before that when you go to some of these uh, Japanese weapon type things Mm -hmm. in America, a lot of the guys will only know the Koryu. Mm -hmm. And and they kind of think that that makes them sort of badass where really they just don't know the part that everybody can get up on together. Yeah, and that's the only thing that I had kind of. I, well, I guess I'll skip ahead, and then you can correct me about it. But like the that's sort of interesting about them having all that with where like everybody sort of runs those standardized Japanese kata's that mm-hmm. are like they've made it to where like the Shidoru and the Shotokan and all that they all just sort of run the same things. Mm-hmm. Some of them they run Goju-ru forms. Yeah, but but they're but they're standard. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I had ever, and I, of course, I don't know any of them, but I had right. thought before, well, that might, would be a cool thing in the future if, maybe if that was like the sete, yeah. where everybody learned those katas, then maybe more like what we do could be more like the koryu to those guys, and maybe it would make up for a bigger karate movement around the world, if, because that's the thing about like yeah. judo, you know, judo is judo, wrestling is wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, you can go anywhere and do them. Right. Of course they still have Mongolian wrestling and Senegalese wrestling right But like Mongolian and Senegalese wrestlers compete in the Olympics. they just compete in the mm-hmm. forms everybody does like Greco freestyle and judo right Well, just a thought.
0: yeah it, it, and it's a good thought and you did a you know pretty good job of explaining sort of that that breakdown that that all made sense. I think it makes sense to cool. someone who's listening. with the kata, oh, I'm sorry with karate, There was an attempt to do that early on, and that's where uh, katas like Fuku Kata Ich and Fuku Kata Ni came in. So they all tried to get together and run these same katas, and it just fell apart because of the same reason it always falls apart in karate. Nobody gets along. There's politics. Was this
1: only amongst Okinawans? That's what you're talking about. Um, What was the What was the first movement of that? Where they.
0: Now, I don't want to say anything that's incorrect. I, I know that the Okinawans did try to get everything together, and I don't think that the mainland Japanese karate guys were involved in that. The Okinawans get, trying to get it together may have been a reaction to Shotokan and Shitoru and these other things getting more popular in the mainland. Because,
1: I mean, Shotokan would kind of like to be that too, wouldn't
0: they? Well, that's what they're trying to do. I mean, Shotokan would like everybody to do what Shotokan does because they're basically in charge of the, the big worldwide organizations. So that's what they're trying sure. to do in the Olympics is they're trying to get whatever – exactly whatever Shotokan does, that's what's in the Olympics. Uh, But now
1: it's been interesting that these katas, like I keep up with it a little bit on YouTube mm -hmm. as far as like the, I don't know who any of the people are, but like I'll watch Olympic kata or WKF style kata Mm -hmm. just to see what they're doing. And a lot of them are katas that are familiar to the average karate person in Mm -hmm. the United States. Mm -hmm. They're either Shotokan katas or Shitoru katas, you know, Mm -hmm. Goju-Ru katas. But now they have this Anan Kata, that the Ruru guy, mm-hmm. the Sakamoto guy. And now there's another bizarre Kata that I don't know even what the name of it is that just sort of looks something like that. Where now they've decided to put that in there and have that also be a standardized. It's very confusing to me. Right. And then I wonder, like, okay, so if these people – these people are not in that style. Right. They're, 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 they're European – Japanese karate practitioners or Japanese goju practitioners primarily is who's in this. Mm-hmm. They're not ruiru practitioners. They haven't become a ruiru practitioner. Right. They're still up there running all their other tournament katas. Mm-hmm. So where are they learn? Do they just sort of learn it from each other? I mean, I, I guess that must be what it is. I, is I, they're just ter- yeah. coaches that are teaching the katas. I, I they, think so. You go I to think a camp and learn it or something? I, I
0: believe so. I think they the, the federations approve a specific standardized way of running this kata and then mm-hmm. all the people in there have some ability to learn it whether it's a seminar or they've got some qualified coach who yeah you know, can can comment exactly where a thing you know you got pull your hand here and this hand has to be high it can't be low sure and and that's where you know that's i I, I think that's where what it is um you know I'm not a fan of that because you know, you're you're leaving out a whole bunch of important stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, it just, it can't be that.
1: the end of it. No. It can't be the end of it, you know? I mean, it's like, if it... I, I don't think that it's fair to say that nothing of what they are doing is quality.
0: No, I'm not saying that. In terms are. of
1: karate. I think that there is quality to it. Yes. But it's also just one of these things where... That can't be it. That that it's okay, it's it's not can't be it's that's not it. <laughs> it's just for people who are watching that, hopefully they get to understand that like there's so much more depth to it than that. You're just seeing a sport version of a really, really old practice, you know. Right.
0: right. And you know, as far as this the seite versus the Koryu in karate. So that's what they've, that's what they've done in their group. They've made a seitei standardized version. Um, I don't know how many of those people are practicing some other style. Uh, I think a lot of them are, if they're in that competition circuit or that, that's group, all they do. That's yeah. all, that's all they do. Wh- why would, they oh, you come? wouldn't
1: have any, how could you, par- how could you participate in any sport at the international level? without doing it to the exclusion of everything else in your life. Right. I mean, yeah. It's impossible. Yeah, right. That's, that's what they're doing. If you're doing it, that's what you're doing. Right. Yeah, and my understanding is from, I know a one, a wateru coach mm-hmm. uh, from Brazil, who is a high-level Olympic coach mm-hmm. from Sao Paulo, and he said that at the Olympic level, the ones that do kata don't even practice kumite hardly at all. They right. just do kata. Right. You either do one, one of sport or one sport form of karate or the other at that level. So right. like us guys, we all like, I'm sure Mr. Walker is probably like Mr. McLean in that. Like, if you're going to go to a tournament it, at least when I started with it, of course, yep. you would ask permission. Mm-hmm. And then with Mr. McLean, if you're going to go to a tournament, you'd have to have a really, really good reason not to do kata and kumite. Mm-hmm. And he would have liked it if you did kobudo too. Sure. Because you know, they wanted you to be a well-rounded person. And if they would have had a grappling division at the tournament, mm-hmm. Mr. McClain would have wanted you to do that, too. He right. If they had a judo match at the tournament, too, Mr. McLean would have wanted you to do that. Because he wanted you to do everything. He didn't want you to. That was a real no-no. Right. Specializing. Mr. Wise did that, but he could fight really good in real life. Mm-hmm. Some Mr. McLean was okay with
0: it. <laughs> right, right.
1: Well, you know, that, that that's a good
0: point. I, I think in in the, the type of, ter- the, you know, the European and the uh, JKF tournaments that, the, that we're talking about now, you know, it's kind of like track and field at the Olympics where they have all the individual events. They've got the 100-meter dash and they've got the shot put and they've got the discus,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but there's no decathlon. Yeah. And I think you and I come from from the background where you better be good at everything. And and some look, if you're if you're doing Kumite, all right, somebody might beat you, but you're gonna beat them in the Kata division. Okay? If you know, if if they get you in the weapons division, well you're gonna get them in the grappling division. And then taking it then I think for you and I we've got to take it out of the tournament, which is we got to be able to actually use this if we need to. Uh, we have mm-hmm. to know all the kata's, even the ones that don't do well in tournaments. Uh, we got to know the application. Uh, we got to be in you know good shape. We have to know the meat the history, the meaning. If there's some symbolic interpretation, we've got to know that. So, so that starts spreading you thinner. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, somebody could be better than me at running a tournament kata, but hopefully I can get them in nine other things.
1: Yeah, you just hope, I mean, there's a there's a trade-off to all of it, but hopefully you have some depth of character mm-hmm. in what you're doing and have some depth of application in your martial arts. Right. That's the probably the big thing there, you know.
2: This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on The Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that, that okay, that's something else that I think is interesting to talk about about that is the whole – just the idea of specialization and then some – what I think are probably false ideas that people maybe even in Okinawa have about only doing one thing. So, right. like, I have noticed a number of times, and I, I'm, like – I just feel like I'm just – a complete white belt in comparison to you as far as my oh, come on. intellectual knowledge about karate and karate history. No, no, no. But I've heard a number of times people say that talk about like the kid. Yeah. When I was this age, my father put me in Okinawan sumo mm-hmm. when the kid is this age, they started him in judo. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like in the past, especially when people were fighting a lot more over there, mm-hmm. they didn't allow as much of that. I, I, I don't think because it sounds like, they would put their kids in wrestling basically as children Mm -hmm. so that they had that base Mm -hmm. behind their karate. And I think it's one of the things that like has given karate a a bad name that I have liked about a lot of Shuri people has not been that way. It's like, like you guys, like everybody from Walkers, can all get on the mat with you. Now that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're going to like, all of them are going to do real good. Mm-hmm. But they can all actually do full contact, jacketed grappling, mm-hmm. and they can all do you know pretty hard contact kumite. Right. You know they can you know it's like and I feel like that's something that that's interesting that Master Trias and Mister McClain and all those guys of that generation because you figure all those guys they grew up doing boxing and wrestling mm-hmm. and all that all that stuff. Yes. I mean, they were doing people in that generation were doing all that stuff. It wasn't till like the seventies. When all of a sudden you've got some guys, these guys who are like, they're like really, really good at point karate and they've never done any other combat sport. Right. That's all they do is point karate. Right. You didn't see that until the 70s. Before that, we still had the influence, I think most specifically of boxing mm-hmm. on our culture. And it's interesting to me that when I see old photos of like Motobu's dojo and stuff like that, where you see the photos of him and Mabuni or whatever. There's boxing gloves hanging up sure. all over the place. I think that this is something that, like, even if you were to go to Okinawa and you see these people where all they're doing in the dojo is just, like, running kata and they're not really, like, sparring and beating each other up and mm-hmm. trying different kinds of kumite and stuff, mm-hmm. that's – I don't think that's that's real. Yeah, I think that's the real way to do karate is you're doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the best way to do it is where you're doing all this stuff. You're doing body conditioning. You're running kata. You're doing your standards. There Mm -hmm. is, you do have to actually know some intellectual information about the material and some history, you know. Right. And and you're doing different kinds of sparring where you're actually like, you're not in a course, you know, in the 60s and stuff, they, you know, make all these big claims like the complete fighting man or the supreme Mm -hmm. way or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, that's something that you're just shooting for. Realistically, you as a person. Right. You're just trying to have, you're have, trying to have basic understanding of all the ranges of combat as far as sparring, mm-hmm. and then also learn the intellectual information. Mm-hmm. But you, you should have that. That's not that's like I feel like that's something that I see that some with like showed with Japanese karate well, yeah, yeah, styles and, where and, and they actually, have all these guys yeah. where they don't do any judo or anything. It's yeah. all just yeah. karate, a, and, and, and th- I don't th- think that's good.
0: And that that's one that I was as you were talking about that I was thinking about that also where you know the Shotokan I don't think they do any kabuto you know I don't think they there's no grappling involved and it's <laughs> it's stripped down to such a degree that a lot of these things are are not a part of it um, and I think they they should be um, the guys that you and I learned learned from coming up they all had trained in judo the and karate and like you said boxing and boxing. Right. Yeah. And
1: that can't that really can't that should not be left out. That when you think about it's right. like it's like if you want to be a badass like those guys, you want to be like Robert Trias, well, you need to learn how to box some. Because right. his whole thing came out of him starting out being pretty damn good at that. He was yes. a Golden Gloves Boxer, and, and what was his... He won something on the ship.
0: Yeah, he was in, and... Um, actually, this here, there, here's something that um, uh, a lot of people don't know. So the, they, so the quote is always, he was the Navy middleweight boxing champion. Um, and everyone's kind of wondering what that means. Uh, in some of the old, old books, uh, they, they list the tournaments that he was in. And it was basically the South Pacific... All services boxing championships.
1: Which that's pretty, at that time, that's good because you think about, okay, back then, what was the sport that everybody did other than baseball? It was boxing. Boxing was more important than baseball in the 30s and 40s. It was a really big deal. Everybody was into it. So that means he beat a shitload of heavyweights, you know, like, or or whatever weight he was because he was a big dude. Right. I mean, Mr. Trias was a damn good boxer. So that means. He didn't just go out there and bop somebody like he had a good level sure. of, of already was a good like um, another person like this. Mr. Perry, Doug Perry, mm-hmm. the Marine Corps uh, oh, yeah. the, I'm vet. Sorry. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's like one of our greatest living karate people uh, that was over there at the very beginning. You know, he's in right. North Carolina. Right. Uh, he fought an exhibition fight against Willie Pep, mm. the famous, uh, you know, flyweight boxer. He was a really, really good boxer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, it's just, I just think it's really something for all karate people to think about that. Like you can learn, you don't have to renounce your karate hood to go learn how to do a combat sport. Right. And spar in it. Like you don't have to like renounce, if you want to go learn how to box, you don't have to like renounce karate for that. Motobu smiles upon you. Right. <laughs> there's things you're going to learn from doing that sparring right. that there's not any other way to learn, you know? And I mean... Mr. McLean would just say it was karate. Right. You know, he'd be like, that's part of my karate. You right. know, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's good to, you, you'll be better at the end of the day. It's yeah. like a more fun, more full uh, martial arts life. Absolutely. That we get to have the guys that really do a lot of different stuff. You know? and,
0: and let me add, let me add something else about uh, Trius's boxing. Um, another yes, thing that a lot of people don't know. So, okay, I've got his military records, everybody. I know where he was and what he was doing. Okay, Um, he was stationed on um, Treasure Island in San Francisco for about a year before he was sent to the South Pacific, Um, and uh, doing research in that around that because I'm What I would like to do ultimately is find some record of this boxing tournament that he was in, uh, or some photo because there's photos out there of guys from that period doing boxing. That's sort of. I don't know about the holy grail, but that'd be pretty nice to find. It's the spirit of Longinus it be, be cool. of uh of you know of some of the research I've been doing. Um and you know what I have found is an uh is an article about how the guys on Treasure Island, they had nothing else to do because they're all waiting to be deployed. So the biggest sport going on Treasure Island was boxing. That's all those guys did uh that were sitting yeah. there waiting to be deployed as box. Um mm-hmm. and um and then there's a couple – there's information about that, that tournament, the All-Services Boxing Championships, about a couple of the later ones, 44 and 45, because there was a, a guy who went on to be a famous professional boxer that was in one of those. Um, mm-hmm. Trius was in uh, probably one of the earlier ones, which would, would have been 43, maybe even 42, Um you know, when I get all this, when I get all the information, I should have it out so I can actually quote people's names and things, which I don't have now. I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff. Sure. Um, um, but 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 again, yes, all these people were doing these these different things. And, and that's what bothers me about when people nowadays go, oh, Nate, you, you're in the martial arts. You do MMA? You do MMA?
1: Oh, bro, do you do MMA? You know, MMA? Do you do MMA? Well, like you gotta do that. If if you don't do it, then you're just really not talking. Yeah, it's it's it, just an ignorant mentality. And it's like, but but it's like, what
0: are you? Okay, number one, what are you talking about? A mixed martial arts. Well, you gotta study different martial arts. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> Robert Trias was uh was a sixth dan in judo. You know, he was a tenth dan in karate. He also studied Singi Bagua Kabudo. The championship, the guys who won all those championships that are you're going to hear about, you know, Chuck Norris, Bill Superfoot Wallace, um, you know Joe Lewis, the karate man, not the boxer. These guys all did. My coffee maker was beeping. Uh, <laughs> these guys all did multiple martial arts. They did judo. They did boxing. They did these things. So when you're saying this MMA, mixing martial
1: arts is new, not really. I mean, yeah, especially, especially you know, and it's interesting because it's especially not to that generation. What those guys are thinking about when they, when they, um, shit on karate, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. they're thinking about people from the 1970s that did not do any other kind of combat sports at all except point karate. Yeah, and that's what they're shitting on, and for good reason because if all you know how to do is do lead lead kicks and you've never even been in a high school wrestling match before, and somebody grabs you and throws you on the ground, you're going to get beat up, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, what the, like, say, so the place where I go to that, that, is, that calls itself an MMA gym, like that Ramon takes fighters, has people that do that, right? Mm-hmm. What he says is, what you need, you need to know how to strike. You need to know how to get people on the ground, and then you need to have something you do when you get people on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: You, you can strike. I've sparred with you, and you can strike. You can strike, you can prevent a takedown, you can execute a takedown. And then when you get on the ground, you have a game plan on the ground. Yeah, and that's the same that I would say for all the AWODs Mr. Yeah. McClain, Parker Shelton, Mr. Keppel, Master Trias, all those guys. Okay, they 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 all had a game plan for each of those situations. It's when you start seeing later on in karate when point sparring was such a big media f- frenzy that people thought that was so cool, mm-hmm. that's when you start seeing people that couldn't do it. I mean, even like uh, Joe Lewis, mm-hmm. that just passed away. Mm-hmm. Joe Lewis uh, wrestled. Yeah. He, he thought karate was stupid when he first went to Okinawa. He was like, every fight I've ever seen, the wrestler won. Mm-hmm. I, I heard interviews with him about that because he, he wrestled, did like just high school wrestling in North mm-hmm. Carolina. And he was like, I beat shit out of everybody I ever got in a fight with. Everybody I ever see fight of a wrestler got beat up. Mm-hmm. but he just I can't remember what it was about he saw somebody or what it was about these karate guys where he was like oh no there's really something to that that, yeah. that got him into it but he had that background too you know right.
0: so okay Ezra so let me let me ask this is
1: mm-hmm.
0: my negative reaction to this is this because that you and I both come from people who have been doing this all along and therefore I am saying what is this MMA? It's nothing new. It's just a buzzword. It's just a fad that 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 word in your advert in your advertising or in the name of your school is going to get dumb people signing up. Is that because we come from a place where that's just normal? That's not MMA. That's
1: yeah. M-A. yeah. That's just what well, it I is. I think that's. It. I think that's it. And I also just think, just like people have different kind of personality types. And as a man, you tend to be the type of man that is pretty intolerant of just bullshit stuff. It's that just true. bullshit. That and is that is like something that a lot of just real ignorant ass people know about because it's a sport that is real popular with a lot of people, people who are pretty ignorant. Mm-hmm. God bless them. Because right. what are they going to That's just who they are. But that's it's popular with a lot of dummies. Yeah. So, you know, but if you were to meet like – uh the guy that Ramon Howard that I go yes. to, that he has an MMA gym. You'd love that guy. Yes. he he doesn't. He teaches each each thing in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So he teaches boxing, and he teaches orthodox boxing, mm-hmm. American boxing, boxing. Mm-hmm. He teaches wrestling, and it's it's wrestling. Right. You know, it's freestyle wrestling at Greco, and when he and he teaches judo, and he teaches judo like judo, he teaches right. jitsu like. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, as he learned it yeah. from Helson, yes. and he really subdivides all of them because he
0: I, I thinks like the that.
1: exact same. He thinks the exact same thing we do. It's just yeah. his his whole thing. He is doing all combat sports type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Ironically, unlike a lot of other people too that you would meet that are on the douche or end of that, he thinks karate and stuff like that is cool and always wants to know about that. So right. it's you know, th- there's just all different kind of ignorant people and in and in everything. But yeah, I mean, it's just there's just a lot of ignorant people that know about. MMA and they don't understand much about it. You know, and honestly, a lot of people that I've known that have been around pretty high level MMA would say there's kind of a lot of ignorant shit even in at the high levels of that. Right. You know, it's just, right. you know, there's just a lot of ignorant people out there, Nate. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> there are. I, I will That's give... the only thing I would ever say is just, like always, you be skeptical, but, you know, be open to that. There are high level people in that too that are really cool that yes. you would like. You yes.
0: Know? There are. And, and same
1: thing same thing as in karate, because I mean you and me both know about a hundred karate people that we would just tell anybody that asked us, oh no, definitely don't go to that person's school. Like right. you don't want to have anything to do with it. Right. If it's a choice between doing karate at all or doing karate between a lot of people that I have met in karate who I yeah. wouldn't rag, rag them out online or anything. Right. Because I don't do that either. But if somebody was to personally come to me and ask me, hey, my child wants to do karate uh, and the only school is run by this person, I would, I would, there's a whole lot of them that I would have to say, I'm sorry, but I suggest that you get your child involved in a different sport, like in a sport or something that just, you know, because it's just, they're not doing good enough. So same thing with that. Thanks again to
0: Ezra Scott from James McLean's Kosho School of Karate in Nashville for joining us. Visit www.koshokarate.wordpress.com to find out more about Ezra and his school. And Ezra will be back next week to continue this conversation. Please remember to rate the show and give it a review, hopefully a positive one, and feel free to share your thoughts on the Chop Talk Facebook page or on Twitter. If you have an idea for a topic we should cover on one of these more conversational episodes, please shoot me a message. Thanks for listening. Nihedibiru and Mataya. Everyone, like the show enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world and share it with a friend family member co-worker everyone at your dojo your fellow karate cop ka. you can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com that's choptalk.podbean.com and don't forget to like the show on Facebook thanks Shop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high-quality and heavy-duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email kosho school of Karate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist.